May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our resurrection and our life. Amen. So through the season of Lent, we've been talking about grief and the stages of grief and our response to grief and what that looks like as a faithful life. We talked about what it means to have friends who care for our loved ones or to be a friend who cares for our loved ones after they've died, to hold that legacy of the person. We've talked about how we care for those who die among us and how we carry their spirit with us. We've talked about how it's easy to deny that that happened And how it's often hard to come to a place of acceptance. And all of that that has taken us ten services and five weeks of all of Lent to kind of get through and process. Grief that takes years for us to kind of work through comes to a head for Mary Magdalene here at the tomb. It is easy for us to be caught up in the joy of Easter and the shakers and the alleluias and and the call and response, which I will make you say a bazillion times because I love it. It is easy to get caught up in the eggs and the Easter bunnies and all the things that we do to celebrate this holy day. I joked at the beginning of the service as I walked across with all my stuff if I wondered if Mary Magdalene had to carry that much stuff with her to the tomb. And every picture I can find of her, she has just little jars. I could never find her. I wanted a Mary Magdalene with like the hundred pounds of aloe, right, that it would actually take to embalm Jesus' body, the big jars of spices and nard that would be heavy and burdensome. Because that's what she's really carrying. I wanted a visualization of what Mary is really carrying. Because her friend has died just three days ago. And she would have gone and done this yesterday, but it was church day and the pastor there is really long-winded. No, it was a Sabbath and you didn't work on the Sabbath. And so they didn't get a chance to go do what is the loving, acceptable thing for Jesus. And so early in the morning, before anything else, I once had a a colleague in Illinois who said, nobody quits at 6 a.m. And he used this in relation to exercise, to which I have proved him wrong for over 10 years straight now. I always quit my exercise at 10 a.m. Or 6 a.m. But Mary gets up before the break of day, gets all of her things together, pulls herself out of bed when I am almost positive that she'd rather stay there. All of us who have lost a friend or a loved one knows that feeling, right? Three days in, you're just tired. The adrenaline has worn out, and you're just like, ugh. But she pulls herself out of bed. She gathers everything she needs, and she still goes to the tomb. The truth is, 
that this morning you might have been too tired to get out of bed. You might be carrying a whole lot of stuff, stuff I can't see or find a picture of. The weight of your work, struggles in your family, grief of all kinds, because let's face it, in the last two plus years, we've lost a lot and there's plenty to grieve. Trauma from your life before, the loss of the person you used to be, even if that person wasn't as good as the person you are right now. You come with all that stuff in your arms. All that weight carried with you. And you still somehow pulled yourself out of bed and came to the tomb. You still made it out of that place to this place. Why? Why not just stay in bed? Why not just let it go? If it's waited three days, what's another couple hours? I haven't been to church in weeks. I mean, some of it, you were here three days ago, but, you know, some of you, I'm not going to say the last time I saw you. But you still came today. And it would be easy to say, I didn't go last week. I'm not going next week. Uh, No, I'm good. I'm good. And just stayed with your pain and the weight of the world and the suffering and the trauma and all the stuff that weighs you down. All the stuff you drag and carry with you day in and day out. But somehow, somewhere, you said, you know what? I need some love. I need some hope. I need to go see and be with Jesus. The one I know loves me. The one who cares for me. The one who was willing to give up everything. Not because I'm so horrible he had to, but because there is no end to which he will not go to prove how much he loves me. And so you came. You wrangled the kids and their curlers or whatever other chaos. You took them with all their sugar highs and brokenness all their kid burdens, right, that we as adults forget they even carry. And you said, come on, y'all, let's go. And you did your best in the parking lot to put yourself together. And I know you did, because I did it too. And you came in here, and what I hope you find is not emptiness. Because we talk about that tomb being empty. We talk about how there's nothing in there. How the linens were folded. How Mary has to go get some guys so that someone will believe her. Because if she doesn't have a collaborating witness who is male, then no one's going to believe her. Because apparently you need your genitalia to tell the truth. I don't know. Anyhow, 
Mary goes and gets the guys. And the guys can't figure it out either, and so they do what all good guys do. They went back to breakfast with the other guys. And they were going to talk it over, think it through, come up with a plan. Meanwhile, Mary, woman that she was, stood there and cried. Because could it get any worse? Could it be any more painful? Could this grief button be pushed and triggered any harder than it is right now? Not only was my friend tried in what was effectively kangaroo court and killed when he was wrong, to which she makes a plan to go see Tiberius, Caesar Tiberius. Kids, you'll get a book about her visiting that emperor and what she does to prove that at the end of worship. It's super cool. She's an awesome lady. He's died on the cross. These guys that could have changed it didn't but still buried him. Thank goodness somebody did the right thing one day. And now, even though there was a guard posted here, he's gone. What the what? And it's too much. She just stands there and weeps. She just cries. Because what is left to do? You know... These images of Mary looking forlorn or crying or weeping there at the tomb are really hard to find. If you search Mary Magdalene at the resurrection, and I dare you to go Google search it, you will find all kinds of pictures where she is full of joy, where she's sitting at Jesus' feet and she is lit up like a Christmas tree. Or where Jesus has given her like one of these... Talk to the hand, I gotta go. I don't have time for this. But that's not it. That denies her humanity and it denies Christ's humanity and her relationship with him. Our relationship with Jesus isn't always perfect. Sometimes you're gonna walk in this door to come to worship, it's gonna feel pretty empty. Sometimes you're gonna walk in this door and all your hot mess is gonna ooze out from everywhere. Sometimes just being in a relationship with Jesus isn't enough. You gotta find the guy. You gotta cling to him. You've gotta love Jesus with a love that gets you out of bed even when it's hard, that makes you carry those burdens so that you can sit them down where you find Jesus. Mary Magdalene's story goes on, right? She talks to the angels, and the angels are like, what are you doing, lady? Of course he's not here. He's living. And she's going, nope, he was dead. I saw him. And now I'm seeing angels. I have smelled way too much nard, frankincense, myrrh, hessop, something. And then... Still, I always thought this was funny when I was a kid, right? Jesus comes to her and says, Mary, or woman, why are you weeping, right? And she gets all indignant 
And I always wondered, like, why couldn't she tell it was Jesus? I mean, come on, it's Jesus. And there's all sorts of great theories about Jesus' perfected body and him being not totally, um, I don't know, concrete, if you will. Like he's kind of spirit ghost Casper-ish. All sorts of theories on why she doesn't figure this out. But I'll tell you why she didn't figure it out. Because stress makes you stupid. And this woman is under a lot of stress. And if you don't believe me that stress makes you stupid, just think of a time in your life that you were under a lot of stress. And then think of like one choice you made during that time. Was it your best choice? Eh, probably not. And so she's like, buddy, I can't even today. Please, just tell me where you put him. I'll go get him. I don't care. I'm, please, I just want my Lord back. And that's when Jesus greets her by name. That's when Jesus looks at her, right? One of the things I loved about this picture on the right, we'll say, is how Jesus sees her before, right? Jesus knows we carry all these burdens. Jesus knows our hot mess. Jesus has seen us weep and seen us filled with joy. Jesus has seen us hurt, and he knows why we're weeping. He knows how to greet us and meet us in the place that we are at, and yet, he asks why. Why are you weeping? You know why? Because if you've ever tried to talk to someone who's crying, walking up and saying, I know you're crying because this is really upsetting. Or I know you're crying because you can't find him, but I'm right here. Never works, guys. It never works. Getting them to tell the story. Getting them to share their love. Giving them that outlet does. Jesus does that for us too. No, it's not as picturesque as that is. But I can promise you that before you got here, Jesus was preparing a place for you. That when you were in the parking lot with all your hot mess, Jesus was like, yeah, come on, buddy. You're fine. Nobody's going to notice that anyway. And when your day is awful, Jesus shows up. Because Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is alive. Jesus is with you in the midst of all of that. And so the only reason we can bear grief, the only reason we can handle the pain and carry the burdens that we come to these places with is because Jesus has called us by name. Jesus has claimed each and every one of us. I told you we light that candle only certain times, right? Today, baptisms, funerals. That candle was lit for you. That candle burns because Jesus is with you. Because in the waters of baptism, God looked in your very eyes, deep into your soul, the same way Jesus looked at Mary as she wept and said, Dan, Wendy, Sue, Bob, Tom, I don't know, your name here, right? You are mine. I have claimed you, and I will love you. And nothing, not even a tomb, not a cross, not an unjust system, 
not people who have the power to change but are too scared to actually make the change, not corrupt systems, nothing, nothing will stop me from loving you with all that you are. So Mary goes from this place and she tells the guys, I have seen Jesus. The first preacher of the gospel is Mary Magdalene, a used-to-be sinner turned Jesus follower woman. And she proclaims Jesus to literally everyone she can come in contact with. And she uses every gift she has to make sure that people know what Jesus is like and where they can find Jesus and how to meet Jesus. And she doesn't care if everybody thinks she's a hot mess. She doesn't care if she has to carry aloe all over town. She doesn't let her burden stop her from sharing the love that she has received. Not because it makes Jesus love her more. Jesus already loves her enough to come back from the dead. Jesus already loves her enough to stand in the garden and be like, buddy, are you okay? Mary, pal. Hold on, I can't do that right now, but I'll be back. Wait, I want a hug too. Jesus does that to all of us. Can we respond with that kind of love? Can we live in that kind of gospel? Can we go out of this place leaving our burdens at the cross, out of this place sitting down to the best of our ability that which stops us, and tell somebody, today I went to worship and I saw Jesus. And Jesus looked like a little girl twirling with joy. And Jesus looked like a little boy acting like a goofball. And Jesus looked like cinnamon rolls and scrambled eggs and the face of some of the best guys you'll ever meet as they scooped it out for me. Jesus looked like the little old lady in the back who does everything she can to make sure that she can share in God's community. Can you tell that story? Can you say that I have seen Christ and he is alive? Because if we can tell that story, we can keep this going. And our tomb and our burdens won't seem so heavy. And the hot mess won't matter as much. And maybe the color of the eggs will be less important. Or what we put in those baskets. Or the Easter Bunny forgot to put in the baskets, but was supposed to put in the baskets. Or the fact that our little girl climbs on the chairs through every sermon we ever preach. Or that little boys act like goofballs. Because the joy is that God is alive. And from here, I can see that Christ is risen in every single face. And for that, I say, Alleluia. Amen.